Well, thank you, Jewel. It is good to see each of you here this morning. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. Um, we are picking back up in a series that we started last week on discovering God's will. If you weren't here, I'll catch you up real quick. Um, we started a series talking about what what it means. One of the biggest questions that I get as a pastor is, how do I know what God's will is? Like, how do I know what God's plan is? How do I know what God wants for me? How do I know what God wants from me? How do I know what God wants to do with me? And so um, what they're not looking for, as we pointed out last week, is read your Bible and pray. Uh, Now, that's where it all begins. If you're not in God's Word and you're not connected to God in daily conversation, then seeking His will is like finding a needle in a haystack. It's just not really going to happen. you might stumble across it every now and then. You know, you might, you might tumble into it and, and find yourself in periods or pockets of God's will. But as far as existing in God's will, you're just not going to get there. Right? So it all starts with that. But then people are, are looking for clearer direction on how do I find out? How do I know? And I get that because we all go through that. We all want to make sure that we're in God's will. We all want to make sure that we're in line with what He wants for us because we believe, and, and sometimes we've been led to falsely believe, that, that prosperity is found in God's will. Like if I'm in God's will, then everything is going to be perfect and everything is going to be great, and that's far from the truth. Um, the reality is, is that many times in God's will, um, it, is, it is lonely. Um, from a worldly standpoint, many times in God's will, it's, it's rough. From a worldly standpoint, many times in God's will, it's not simple and it's complicated, and it's messy, but we have this false belief because of the prosperity gospel that if I just find myself in God's will, if I just have enough faith, if I just have enough you know, uh, 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 purpose, then everything's going to be great, and everything's going to be good, and life's going to be good, and I'm going to have money, and I'm going to have job, and I'm going to have you know, peace, and I'm going to have all this. And, and the reality is, is that out of all that, the only thing you're going to find consistently in God's will is not money, it's not job, it's not um, security, but it is peace. You will find peace. And you'll have peace no matter how big the struggles or how big um, life's things are. And so last week we looked at four steps beyond once you find yourself where you are daily reading God's Word and you're daily communicating with Him in prayer. Four steps beyond that to help us determine God's will for our life. And the first was already obey, um, obey what you already know to be God's will. Right? We talked about the 98%. The 98% that we already know that God clearly communicates to us in His Word that is His will for our life, and yet we don't even we don't want to obey that. Like we don't want to recognize that. We want to kind of set that aside and go, no, 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 God, I want the big picture, right? Like not the little steps, not the little. Ste- it's like the seven-year-old putting together the Lego set, right? And he doesn't use the instruction booklet. He just uses the picture on the front of the box. And we look at that and we go, well, I can build that. And we start building it and then we get something that looks similar to it. But we've got all these leftover pieces. And we go, well, what are those for? It doesn't matter. I've got what I want. Right? I got what I needed. It was simple. It was easy. I didn't have to follow all the steps. And that's kind of what we want for God's will in our life. Just give me the big picture, God. Just let me see the big picture. I don't really need the rest of it. Just show me the big picture. And, and that way I don't have to follow all the little steps. And then we talked about paying attention to how God has wired us. That God is has created us to be something that only we can be, and when we go against that, then we find ourselves out of God's will. We talked about listening to our heart and the fact that uh, 
when we find ourselves connected to God, then our heart's desire becomes His heart's desire for us. And therefore, if we listen to our heart, then we'll find ourselves there. And then also take a look at our circumstances. When we look at the circumstances around us, many times God will, God's will becomes pretty clear and apparent to us. And so this morning I want to sit there for a few minutes. Because many times our circumstances that we find are less than desirable. Right? How many of you would agree with that? You find yourself in circumstances in life that are less than desirable. Right? Maybe your job is just not what you wanted it to be. Maybe your marriage is not going well. Maybe your kids are just bad kids. Right? Like maybe you just you thought you were going to have great kids, and then you turned around and you were like, my kids are not very good kids. Right? And it obviously is the child that's broken and not you or the way that you parented. It has to be them. Um, and so you're like, you know, my kids just aren't what I thought my kids were going to be. Or, you know, my finances aren't what I thought my finances were going to be. Or my health is not what I thought my health was going to be. Right. My family is is not going the way that I thought my family would go. And we find ourselves in circumstances that are less than desirable. Right. Maybe we're picked on at school. Right. Or maybe we thought we would be the the star of the football team. And instead we can't even, you know, we, they didn't even give us a locker. Right. And so we're like, I don't even know where to go with this. I've built my whole world around this and now it's all falling apart. And our circumstances are less than desirable. And so we have to ask ourselves this question. And that question is, as we're trying to discover God's will, can God's will be found in the fire? Right? Like sometimes does God's will lead us to the fire? Or better yet, can the fire be God's will? Can tough circumstances in life be God's will? Like, we get asked that question a lot. Why does God allow bad things to happen? Like, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've been, and not just by six-year-olds who ask that question a lot, why did God allow bad things to happen, but by 60-year-olds who say, I don't get it. Why would God allow, you know, a story comes out on the, on the news about a, 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 a school shooting. I don't understand. Why would God allow that to happen? Like, how could that be? And, and the question is not, does God really allow that to happen? But the question is more, is God really in control? Because I don't believe that my image of God matches up with a God who would allow that to happen. So is God really in control? And therefore, is God really there? Is God Really, you see, many times when we ask questions about God, the question we ask on the surface is not really the answer we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to a deeper, a deeper question, and that question usually hinges around the reality and the true existence of God. Because we fight that. We battle that. We've been battling it since the garden. God said, I've made everything perfect for you. And we said, uh, I don't know about that. And like God said, I've made everything perfect for you. You can have anything you want, except for that tree right there. Don't ask me why. Don't question me. Just... You can't eat that tree, right? And then Satan said what? Oh, God, that, if you eat of that tree, you're not going to die. You're going to be like God. And so we began to question the reality of God. We began to question the purpose of God. We began to question the perfection of God from the get-go, right? We were three chapters in. I don't know how long that three chapters was, but it takes me about seven minutes of reading to get to that point, right? When we were already like, I know you made everything. And listen, chapter 1 and chapter 2 are the same story. So really it took us one chapter to get to the fall. It took us one chapter to blow it, right? And we walked away from it. And so one of the biggest misunderstandings that we have when it comes to God's will for our lives is the idea that He would never let anything bad or uncomfortable or disproportionate happen to us if we love Him, believe in Him, trust Him, and follow Him. 
Like we we have this false sense of security that if I if I if I follow God enough, if I go to church enough, if I read my Bible enough, then nothing bad will ever happen to me. Everything will be good. Everything will be roses. But the reality is, is that that is simply not true. Trial, trial, struggles, loss, heartache, these things are as much a part of the believer's life as they are the unbeliever's life. And sometimes even more so, but for the believer, there's one very, very, very large difference. You see, for us, struggles and trials are a part of our lives, and we're going to get into why that may be just in a little bit. But the reality is that there's one very large difference between the believer going through these tough trials, these fires, as we'll look at literally this morning, and the non-believer that goes through these trials, that goes through these fires, and that is this. God sometimes sends us into the fire, but Jesus never leaves us there alone. Pop that up real quick. God sometimes sends us into the fire, but He, Jesus, never leaves us there alone. So doesn't become a question of will God allow bad things to happen, but do I trust God enough to navigate me through them? Do I trust that God has my best interest at heart enough that He will get me through this? Or do I just simply say, I don't know that God loves me enough, so I'm going to take over myself. Right? I'm, I'm going to get myself through this. You know what happens when we try to get ourselves through things? We tend to make things worse, don't we? It's like being in quicksand and trying to drag our way out. And the harder we work, the deeper we get, and the farther we sink. But the less we work, the easier it is to get out of quicksand. And in life, the more we give it over to God, the easier it is for us to navigate out. And so this morning, we're going to look at this process for just a little bit. We're going to look at this story um, in Daniel chapter 3. It's a very common, popular, well-known story. We're going to find it in Daniel chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, I, I preach on this passage a lot, um, and I think that there's a lot to be learned from it. And so this morning, if you've got your Bibles and want to turn there, you can. It's going to be on the screen if you don't. We're reading from the New Living Translation this morning, so if you're reading from something different in your Bibles, it may read slightly different, but the meaning and the purpose is the same. Daniel chapter 3, beginning with verse 16, says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing fire. So they tied them up threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tired, tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look. Nebuchadnezzar shouted. 
I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own. So you guys know the story. Nebuchadnezzar was talked into by his advisors in an attempt to, to trap Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those that worship God. Daniel, those that worship God, they were enticed. He was enticed. They played to his ego and they said, create this giant statue of yourself. And whenever we play the music, everybody has to bow down and worship it. And if they don't, you're going to kill them, right? Listen, Nebuchadnezzar, it's a great idea. We are going to secure complete and total loyalty, not only loyalty to you, but worship of you as a deity. So we're going to create this giant golden statue. We're going to play a bunch of music, and when we play it, everybody's going to fall down and worship. And when they do, you're going to see that everyone not only worships you and adores you, but they fear you and they revere you, and you've got 100% control. And in the back of their mind, they were thinking, these guys, aren't they're either going to do this and fall in line, or they're not going to do it, and we're going to get them out of the way, they're going to die. So they start to play the music, and everybody falls down, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stay standing upright, right? And that's where we pick up the story. Nebuchadnezzar is so angry that he orders that they be brought, they be tied up, they be thrown in the furnace. Now you guys know this story, you've been told it since you were a little kid, we used to sing songs about it. Right? We've had flannel graph stories about it. We've had Sunday school lessons about it. We've done plays about it. We've done all of these things. You all know the story like the back of your hand. You know what happens. The guys die that are throwing them into the fire. They get into the fire. Jesus shows up in the fire. They walk around. They have a little conversation. Nebuchadnezzar says, what the heck is going on? He gets as close to the fire as he can. He screams in, hey guys, if that's really you, come on out. If you all are really alive, come on out. They open the door from inside the furnace, step out and go, ta-da! And then they come out and everybody walks around. They not only look at them, they smell them. Because everybody knows when you spend any time around fire, what do you smell like? You smell like fire, right? I, I, we did a fire a couple weeks ago in the backyard. We had a, a fire pit and did some s'mores for the kids. And I went and got in the shower later on. And as soon as the water hit me, like it just, I smelled like a campfire, right? And so you get in there and it just, that smell just gets into all your clothes. It gets into your skin. It gets into your hair. And it just smells like smoke every time you're there. So they get so close. They say, man, these guys... Their, their clothes aren't burnt. Their skin's not burnt. And then some guy gets close to him and says, they don't even smell like fire. Like, what is going on here? And from this story, we can take a lot of truths. And this morning, we're going to look at this idea, three takeaways from the boy's time in the fire that we can apply to can the fire be God's will. And so I want you to see three things this morning. As you look around at your circumstances, and you go, I don't see how this could possibly be God's will. How could my family in crisis be God's will? How could, how could my health be God's will? How could my struggles at school be God's 
will. I don't get it. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I believe that God doesn't love me. I believe that God is not watching out for me. I believe that God doesn't have my best interest at heart. There's no possible way that this could be God's will. And this morning I want you to see that sometimes when we're walking through the fire, it's of our own creation, and sometimes God leads us there. And there's three things that we can learn from that. The first is this, and I think it's very important that we understand this, and that is that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, right, when they were tossed in, they didn't have to ask God to go with them. They just trusted that He would. They didn't have to ask God, hey God, will you protect me in this situation? They just functioned as if nothing was wrong. They functioned as if it was just Tuesday. Like, I don't know what day of the week this happened, right? But I could imagine it wasn't get thrown into the fire day of the week, right? Like, it wasn't marked on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's calendar that, hey, this is the day that we're going to get thrown into a furnace. This is the day that we're going to risk our own lives. It was just Tuesday to them. They just got up. The king made a decree. They looked at each other and said, I'm not going to do that. And the other guy said, I don't think I'm going to do that either. They said, I, look, I don't know what their reasoning was. I mean, I know their reasoning was because we don't believe God wants us to do that. But I don't know if they were like, I don't really think He'll throw us into the fire. Like maybe they just didn't believe that Nebuchadnezzar would really throw them into the fire. You know how we are with our parents sometimes. We're like they don't really mean that. Like they told me I couldn't do this or this would be the result. But they don't really mean that. So I'm going to go do this anyway. Right? I'm, going to, I'm going to not clean my room or I'm going to go where they told me not to go. I'm going to hang out with the people they told me not to hang out with. I'm going to eat what they told me not to eat. Right? I'm just going to do it. They don't know what they're talking about. Everything's good. Right? Maybe that's what they thought about Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't really mean that. But regardless of it, you know what we don't see in this story? We don't see them stop and huddle and go, oh God, we're fixing to walk into a really dark and trying time. And Lord, we just pray that if it's Your will that You go with us, that You be with us, that You go before us, that You protect us and You watch out for us. They didn't have to have that conversation with God. They didn't have to try and convince themselves that God was going to go with them. They just trusted that He was going to be there when the fire happened. Look at this in uh, verses 17 and 18 of Daniel chapter 3. It says, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talking. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you that we will not serve your God or worship the golden image that you've set up. Do you see that? Their answer was not, hang on, let us have a holy huddle real quick. Let us go talk to Jesus. Let us go say, hey God, is this, is this what you want us to do? They just said, here's the situation, here's the circumstance, God's going to meet us there. They didn't question God's goodness. They didn't question God's purpose. They didn't qu- Listen, if anybody ever had reason to say, I don't know that this is God's will. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As they looked at that fire, they looked at that furnace, and they watched Nebuchadnezzar stoke it seven times hotter than it could be hot. I don't know how fire gets hotter than fire, but somehow it did. It got seven times hotter than fire. And so they stoked that furnace, and they create this just this blazing inferno. And if anybody was ever going to look at a situation and go, maybe, maybe we miscalculated God's goodness. Right? Like, maybe this is not God's will. It would have been Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Probably second only to Daniel as he looked down in the lion's den right before they threw him in there and said, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> like, maybe this was a bad idea. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had that opportunity, but they didn't. And they didn't, as they got there, stand before Nebuchadnezzar and go, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, we think, we think we're going to be okay. They emphatically stated, God will deliver us from your hand. Now, they didn't know how. They didn't know how. In the back of their mind, they had to be thinking, this is either going to go really, really good or really, really bad. Right? Like We're either going to die before we hit the fire or somehow God's going to bring us through it. And they probably never imagined that the way God was going to bring them through it was by them actually going into the furnace, Jesus meeting them there, them walking around for a little bit, and Jesus going, it's not as bad as you thought, right? It's not as bad as you thought. They didn't have to ask Him to meet them there. They just simply trusted that He would. There has to be a level of trust and comfortability between us and God. We can't continually doubt His goodness and continually doubt His love and His plans for us and His purposes for us and then expect that when we get into the fire, everything's going to be fine and God's just going to be like, hey, it's all hunky-dory. Everything's taken care of. If we don't trust Him when things are good, we're not going to trust Him when things are bad. Listen, why do we go to a doctor when we're sick? Because that's what they're trained to do, right? Take care of us when we're sick. Why do we go to our parents when we're scared? Because that's what they naturally do. That's what their natural strength evokes in us. Why do we go to a grocery store when we need food? Because that's its purpose, right? Yet all of those things exist because of the sustaining hand of God. A doctor's knowledge is there because God imparts it to them. A parent's strength is there because God gave it to them. Right? The food that we eat is there because God allows it to grow. And so if we trust our parents when we're scared, if we trust a doctor when we're sick, if we trust a grocer when we're hungry, then why would we not trust God in the greatest times of struggle and trial in our lives? Because it's simply what He does. Right? God delivers His people. We've seen it time and time again. When the Israelites cried out in captivity, God delivered them. When they cried out in the wilderness, God delivered them. When they cried out in slavery, God delivered them. When mankind cried out in brokenness, God delivered us. It's simply what God does. So if we can't trust Him in the good times, why would we trust Him to meet us in the bad times? The One who gave us all of the things that we consider important. And yet, so many times, we have to ask Him, God, is this... Could this be your will? God, what good could you possibly bring from this? God, why am I struggling so much? God, why am I suffering so much? Maybe it's because God is refining us for a greater purpose. Maybe it's because there is someone that we will meet in the fire that needs what we have. I constantly ask people when I'm questioned, why would God allow something like this to happen? One of the, the big things that I, that I do is I'll take a piece of paper. I'm going to come down here, Kelly. I'm coming to you, just so you know, alright? So we come down here and I'm going to ask you, Kelly, can you tell me what is on that piece of paper? Can you read that for me? 
Tell, you can't read that. Those are my notes. If you could read them, then you would know. But you can't read what's on there, right? Right? Because you're looking at it from the side. So can you read that now? Don't read it out loud. Don't spoil anything for anybody. But you can read that now, right? So thank you, Kelly. I appreciate that. I feel like a magician. Um, thank you for helping me out there. We see life like this. We can see there's stuff there, right? Like I know there's something on that paper, but I can't tell you what it says, right? I know it's there. I don't know what it says. I don't know what it means. I don't know what its purpose is. That's the way that we see life. What's exactly in front of us, we can't see beyond it. We can't see around it. We can't see above it. We can't see below it. But God sees life like this. He sees the whole picture. And so people ask me all the time, well, why would God allow that to happen? Why would God allow me to go through this? Why would God allow me to struggle with this? Why would God allow me? Because God sees the whole big picture. And He knows when you come out of it, how it's going to not only impact you, but how it's going to impact your family, how it's going to impact your friends, how it's going to impact strangers that you won't meet for 20 years. We have to trust that He's going to meet us there and carry us through it so that we can see its full purpose reveal itself immediately or in the future down the road. They didn't ask God to go with them. They just trusted that He would be there. And He was. The second thing that I want you to see from this is that in the fire with Him, you can not just, not just survive, but you can thrive. Right? Like so many times we see the fire as a crippling, debilitating place in life. Oh my gosh, my, my marriage is on the rocks. It is crippling me. There's nothing that can possibly come from this, right? Nothing good can possibly come from this. And so instead of thriving within God's will and love for us, we just try to survive it. We just try to get through it. We're like, if I could just crawl out of this, it will be, it'll be okay. Right? I, I, I'll consider that a win. But God, many times, not only wants to meet us in the fire, but He wants to allow us to thrive within the fire. Look at Daniel 3, 19-21. It says, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. I've seen that face before. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, robes, turbans, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. Here's this fire. These big, strong men take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they have to get them close enough to throw them in, right? And when they get close enough, the heat is so great, it's so extreme, it's so severe that it kills them in the moment, right? In that instant, it kills them right then. They drop dead. I don't know if they burn up. I don't know if their heart stops. I don't know what it is that kills them. The heat is so intense and so great that it kills them on the spot. Right? So that's how extreme the fire is. And many times in our lives, the fires that we're going through are so extreme that without Christ, they will completely debilitate us. But with Christ, we walk around. With Christ, we're moving freely, right? Because it kills the men who are throwing them in, yet 
while they burn up, while they have a heart attack, while they whatever, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk around. Same fire, same heat, same furnace. Doesn't bring death. Actually brings success. Because right? here they are, walking around. As a matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar is so shocked. He says to everybody, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yep. Then why do I see four? And one of them looks like a god. Or yours might say, one of them looks like the son of man. Right? One of them looks like Jesus. There's a good reason for that. It was. Right? Because Jesus is the deliverer. Anywhere in Scripture that we see um, in the Old Testament, someone show up in the form of a deliverer or someone in the form of a... Of a um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A go-between. Somebody give me a word for that. A mediator. That's Jesus. Right? Because Jesus didn't just magically exist in Matthew. Right? Jesus existed at the beginning of time. Right? Because God said, let us. He existed in the form of three. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so when we see Him in the form of a mediator, when we see Him in the form of a deliverer in the Old Testament, we see God in that form... That's Christ, right? And so Jesus is walking around in the fire literally with them. And this is what we know. Jesus doesn't want us just to crawl out of the fire smelling of death and smelling of smoke. But instead, He wants us to burst out of the fire announcing His goodness. The fire is not, to is not designed to destroy, but it's designed to refine. It's designed to purify it is for us to go in as one thing and come out as another. I had this great idea. Sometimes as pastors we think, hey, this would be a great idea. So I thought, I'm going to go on and I'm going to find a short video clip of metal or gold or silver being refined in a fire so you all can see what the process looks like. I thought this would be great. A 30-second clip, a 60-second clip of 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 metal, gold, silver, something being refined in a fire so you can see kind of the purpose that God might have for us going through the refiner's fire. You know what I couldn't find? A 30-second video of something being refined. You know what I did find? 18-minute videos, 35-minute videos, 60-minute videos, two-hour videos of substances being refined within a fire. And you know what I figured out real quick? It can't happen quickly. It's a process. And so sometimes we go through struggles and they seem to go on for days and days and weeks and months and years, maybe decades. And we go, how could this possibly be God's will? He's refining us. And that's not a simple process. But in the end, you come out more pure, more valuable, more useful than you were when you went in the fire. You see, you can not just survive, but you can thrive within the fire. And lastly, I want you to see this, and that is simply enough, He just wants to reveal Himself in the fire. Simply enough, God just wants to reveal Himself in the fire. Look at Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31, beginning with verse 6. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. 
Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said unto him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. You know what that tells me? It tells me that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, God didn't then magically show up. When they were thrown into the fire, they opened their eyes and looked up and said, Jesus, what are you doing here? And He said, I was just waiting on you. Like I was just waiting on you to get here. What took you so long? That Nebuchadnezzar, he's a mouthy one, right? We had to get to this. He wants to reveal himself in the fire. Many times the fires of our lives are not God's making, but our own making. We like to set fire to a lot of things. We're all little pyromaniacs. We like to just set things on fire. Right? We like to set our marriages on fire. We like to set our jobs on fire. We like to set our family relationships on fire. We like to set our health on fire. Right? Like we, so many times we like to do those things, and then we look around and go, why would God allow this to happen? Well, because God gave you free will. And part of free will is the ability just to be stupid. Right? Like, we're just stupid sometimes. And then we want to blame God for the fires in our lives. But you know what we find? Whether they are man-made fires or whether they are God-brought fires, He reveals Himself in them if we'll let Him. No matter what, He'll reveal Himself. If we created it or He brought it to us, He will reveal Himself. He leads us into a fire, and when that happens, He will be on full display if we will let Him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably went into that fire terrified. I mean, we read this story and we think that they were just so brave. They probably weren't. They were probably terrified. These were boys. They were probably terrified. They were probably crying. They were probably running through their minds what it was going to look like, what death felt like. Right? They were probably wondering how long will this take? How excruciating will this be? They probably went in with their eyes closed. Right? Like They probably went in as those guys threw them in with their eyes closed just thinking, let this be quick. And they got there they stood there for a minute and then they opened their eyes. And they realized what it looked like inside there. And they looked up and they saw Jesus standing there with them. And they probably had a few questions. Are we dead? <laughs> Is this what it looks like on the other side? And Jesus said, you're not dead. We're just, we're just holding time, right? We're just holding our place. Just hang on. Something, something crazy is about to happen. And all of a sudden, they're talking to Jesus, and then they hear from outside Nebuchadnezzar's voice, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is that, is that you? Are, you? are you alive? And they say, yeah, that's us. And he says, if that's you, come on out. And they say, okay, we're coming. And they open the door and they walk out. And then you realize what happens after that. Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was a back-and-forth guy. 
Nebuchadnezzar was hot and cold. Nebuchadnezzar liked to buy whatever was in front of him, right? Like whatever was being sold in front of him, he'd buy. He would be like, if you ran QVC, you would want a million Nebuchadnezzars watching your show. Because whatever you put out there, he would go, I need that. Right? Like, let me get on the phone and order that. Nebuchadnezzar looked at them and they said, and he said, your God is an amazing God. And we're going to worship him. Now, what Nebuchadnezzar meant by that was, we're going to worship your God alongside me. But he recognized the greatness of God in that moment. Christ wants to reveal Himself in your fire. How could, how could the fire in your life possibly be God's will? Because if nothing else, God wants to reveal Himself to not just you, but to everyone around Him. It wasn't just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who came out changed because of Christ's presence in their fire. But it was the lives of those that were around, those that saw, those that witnessed, that go, how do you come through that and not even smell like smoke? Because my God was there all along. How does your marriage survive that? Because my God was there all along. How did you get through that financial struggle? Because my God was there all along. How did you get through that crisis at your job? Because my God was there all along. How did you get through that depression that was brought on by these circumstances in your life? Because my God was there all along. How did you survive the murder that took place in your family? Because my God was there all along. How did you survive the rape that you endured? Because my God was there all along. It's not just in the little things that He's there in, but in the most devastating, crippling moments of life that Jesus says, I'm here and I'm revealing Myself and I love you and if you just trust Me, I will get you through. And not only will I get you through, but I will use this moment for greatness in your life and in the lives of others. How can the fire be God's will? Because God uses the fire to refine not just us, but the people around us. God is in the refining business. He takes the broken and He makes them whole. He takes the lost and He finds them. He takes the sinful and He makes them perfect. That is refinery at its core. And that is what Jesus does. How can the fire be God's will in your life? Because the fire is what God does. He uses it to change people's lives. And He's not going to spare you from it if He didn't spare His own Son from it. Do you think Jesus didn't go through the fire? Do you think Jesus didn't go through moments of darkness that could have brought Him down, that could have led Him into depression? Jesus was 100% man. Do you think when all of a sudden everybody that loved Him now hated Him, He didn't go, He couldn't have gone, oh my gosh, my life is falling apart. Do you think when all of a sudden He went from having His name cried out in, in victory to having His name cried out in conviction, He couldn't have gone, oh my gosh, life is so bad, God is left me here by myself. Jesus is the only one in the world to ever know what it feels like completely separated from the presence of God. He cries out about it on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why am I here all by myself? None of us have ever experienced that. If He didn't spare His own Son from it, for the purpose of refining, He's not going to spare us from it. But the promise is this. He's going to go with us. He's going to use it. Don't see your fire in your life. Don't see your circumstances in your life 
as moments of crippling debilitation that lead you away from God, but use them as moments of victory that propel you to God because His will is not for you to suffer in the fire. That's not His will. God didn't bring you the fire so that you would suffer. God didn't bring you the fire so that He could punish you. God brought you the fire so that you would cling to Him and He could bring you through in victory, not only for your benefit, but for the benefit of those around you. Many, many Many people find victory in Christ through the story of His saving grace of you in the fire. Why can't I see God's greatest picture? Why can't I see the big picture? Why can't I understand why I'm going through this as tragic and as terrible as circumstances seem sometimes? Why can't I figure out what God's purpose is for that? Because God wants to get us through the fire. So that we then say, it was only because of God. And if I see the big picture and I know where it's headed, then I'm not going to trust God to get me through because I'm just going to assume it's all going to work out okay. Sometimes it doesn't work out okay. Sometimes it doesn't from our standpoint. Sometimes death happens. Sometimes terrible circumstances get the best of us. Sometimes these things take place. But on the other side, God's victory is revealed to others. Can the fire be God's will? Yes. Does God create the fire sometimes? Yes. Does God allow us to set things on fire sometimes? Yes. But the reality is the same. He will meet us there if we trust Him. He will meet us there. He will reveal Himself in that fire. And He will bring us through and refine us on the other side. God's not going to magically take bad things away from your life. Bad circumstances, tough times, tragedy is going to happen. The question is, what will God do with it? Not just in your life but in the lives of others. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, this morning we just come to You. And God, we may have many here today who are in the midst of the fire. They may be in the midst of the struggle, God. Maybe they feel like that that seven times hotter fire is burning rampantly in their lives right now. Maybe they feel that their circumstances are spiraling out of control. Maybe they feel that they have no hope. Maybe they feel they have no purpose. Maybe they feel there's no plan. Maybe they feel that they're all alone. God, whatever it may be, I pray that this morning You would allow us to see, God, that the fire, the tragedy, the tough circumstances, the struggle, the trials, God, they can be Your will. And Lord, even if we step out of Your will and create those things on our own, which many times we do, You can still use them in our lives to draw us back into Your will. So God, I pray that Number one, if we have anyone here today that doesn't know You, that they would pause this morning and they would say, if there's a God out there that loves me that much, that He would send His Son to die for me and that He would love me so much that He would be waiting for me in my trials to pull me through. God, that He would never leave me nor forsake me. If there's a God out there that loves me that much, then I want to trust Him with my life. So Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know You, may they just pause this morning and say a prayer similar to this. Jesus I'm a sinner, but I know that you love me. 
I know you died for me. Forgive me of my sins and save me. Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, and Lord, this morning they want to ask you into their hearts, God, they want to ask you to be Savior of their life, that they would say a prayer simply like that. And God, if they trust with their heart that you love them enough to save them, you will. And Lord, maybe though we have those here that know you and they're struggling with discovering your will for their life, they're questioning your will for their life, God, and many times the questions come because of the tough circumstances in their life. God, I pray that you would allow them to see that you love them and that you want to carry them through that and that you have a purpose for that and you have a plan for that, God, and you're refining them. You're refining their faith. You're refining their trust. You're refining their strength. God, you're refining their understanding of your goodness and your glory in their lives, God, and allow them to just say, God, I'm going to stop focusing on the circumstances and I'm going to start focusing on you. Lord, there's no doubt in my mind that the moment that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego opened their eyes and saw you, they no longer worried about the flames. They no longer worried about the heat. They no longer worried about the destructive power of fire, Lord, but they were locked in on you. And they knew it was going to be okay. So Lord, allow us to stop looking at the, the circumstances around us and allow us to start focusing in on you. Jesus, help us to have peace in our times of struggle and trial. God, whatever it is that's brought people here today, God, whether it is struggle, whether it is heartache, whether it is uh, uh, ruin within their life, God, whatever it may be, whether it is seeking You or searching for You, God, whatever has them here today, during this time of response, would You speak to their heart, give them strength and courage to respond to You, Jesus. Let us know that You love us more than anyone else has ever, will ever, can ever, or could ever love us. Jesus, that You want us to be in relationship with you. So Jesus, be with us now in this time of response. We just ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Jeff's going to lead us this morning, and as he does, if God's speaking to your heart about anything that you've heard through song, through prayer, through message, would you just respond to him as we sing?